Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank my listeners from around the world. Never, ever give up hope is the message that is now being heard in over 120 countries. People are not only gravitating to this show, but they are appreciating it and letting us know how much the words of my guests mean to them. Many of them are going through problems and situations and tragedies and circumstances in their lives that they never thought they would be in. And listening to the show gives them encouragement, it gives them hope, and very often gives them answers. And that's what's so unique about my guests. Each one of them has gone through many traumas or even one trauma in their life that would leave a lot of people in a feeling of hopelessness and yet they are giving the message of hope and how they survived these circumstances so I thank my listeners I thank my guests and with me today is another very special guest her name is Yvonne Ortega now, Yvonne is a bilingual professional speaker. She is a licensed professional counselor, the author of Finding Hope for Your Journey Through Breast Cancer. And she also has a series of books, Moving from Broken to Beautiful, which includes nine life lessons to help you move forward, sounds really intriguing and also one that I know that is very special to Yvonne's heart that she wants to share in particular today and that is moving from broken to beautiful through forgiveness and so this is one thing that we will discuss along with many others I'm really anxious to hear what Yvonne has to share with us welcome Yvonne Thank you, Carol. I appreciate your having me. Now, Yvonne, we didn't touch in your bio anything that had happened to you, and I know that you have endured a lot of tragedy in your life. And so let's start basically from the beginning. That is, what can you tell us about what happened in your marriage, your divorce, and having to be a single parent that the audience would appreciate hearing? Carol, when I married, I thought it would be forever. And I remember twirling around the house and singing, when I fall in love, it will be forever. 
I thought I had my knight in shining armor, my prince charming. But I soon found that I had a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I had an abusive marriage. It started with a verbal and emotional abuse. It became worse and worse, and it crossed the line, as so often happens, and went into the physical abuse. To make matters worse, our child suffered at the hands of my ex-husband. He went through the verbal and emotional and physical abuse, and that was the breaking point for me. Of course. All I could think of was, although it wasn't right to treat me that way, it tore me apart when I saw what he did to our child. That's when I went to a divorce lawyer. Now, did this surprise your husband? Because it does a lot of abusers. Yes, he honestly never thought I would take a step like that, that I would stand up to him, that I would defend my rights as a human being to dignity and respect, and that I would want that for our child. He grew up where the man was head of the castle, Mm -hmm. and whatever he wanted to say or do, that was okay. And yet you didn't notice this, obviously, when you were in... I didn't know the parents before the marriage. Okay. And I met the father very briefly after our engagement. But he had come alone without his wife. So I did not see how he treated her. And yet you found out that he treated her much the same as you were being treated. Is that what you're saying? I didn't see the physical, but I certainly saw plenty of the other. Okay. Now, at what what age was your child when this was happening? He was small, and by the time he reached 10 or 11, things were escalating totally out of hand, and he physically abused our child while I was not home. He punched him, he kicked him, he threw things at him, and in the end, what had happened was I suspected there was child abuse. I had gone to the principal and his teachers and said, if you ever see anything, you must let me know. I suspect trouble, but when I ask him about things, he'll say, well, I fell down at school. Well, I ran into the pole during PE, mm. so I had nothing until he dropped a note to a friend. Or he had written a note to a classmate. The classmate read it and dropped it. The principal found it. And during PE, when he was changing clothes that same day, the PE coach noticed welts on his legs. So I was called in. How did you respond to this, Yvonne? I mean, I realize that at this point you were concerned about your own abuse, and now as Mother Bear, you know, someone is abusing her child. It causes an incredible amount of emotion. How did you rein that emotion in? And were you, um, did you just like run away, or did you do it in a, in a calm manner? How did you handle it? How did you handle both the emotion? and the steps that you had to take for your child. Carol, I was overcome with rage. Okay. 
that he would do this to our child, our only child, a precious son that I almost lost during childbirth. And so I did call a family counselor. I had heard him speak. I said, we need to go into counseling. This needs to be handled. Unfortunately, at that time, there may not have been a law that he had to report what he heard. And I had taken a copy of the letter my son wrote because I told the principal, you keep the original. I don't want anything to happen to that. So I did take that step. When the family therapist did nothing legally, and I felt I was alone, my husband just sat there and said nothing. My son turned pale and shook and just looked at me terrified like, oh, I'm in trouble now. Mm. I called my husband's boss. Really? Yes. I was just furious. And I said, I want you to know that if a policeman ever walks in your office, it's because my husband has been arrested for child abuse. And how did he respond? The boss talked with him that day and then called me back that night to say how much my husband loved me and our child. And that. Mm. And I just said, I'm sorry he's fooled you too. And that was the end of that conversation. But... From that point on, my husband knew I was serious and I would not allow it. So what happened? Did things get better? It did for about a year, maybe a a year and a half. And then he tried one more time. And at that point, my, my child was a black belt in karate and I was training to become one. And I had told him, if your father ever attacks you again you fight back you defend yourself and he said but mama he's my daddy yeah i said honey and you are his son that did not stop him so when that second time came up my child fought back how old was he at this point 13 and how did your husband respond he did not touch him and afterwards he told me I could have beat him. I could have defended myself. But I knew you would call the police if I touched him. I said, yes, I would have. So let's fast forward then. So you obviously left him, went through a divorce, and became a single parent. Yes. So you're in a whole new scenario now. What is happening emotionally at this point? Emotionally, I was devastated the shattered dreams the broken home starting over feeling so alone so so abandoned so frustrated and trying to first of all find a place that I could afford for us to live in and trying to make a whole new life and make it a better one That was very important to me, to make a new and better life. Right. You wanted to make up for what had happened in a small way. As best I could. Right. And so life, did it become easier for you? Yes and no. Yes, because he was no longer in my life. I could sleep at night. I could eat. 
I didn't worry anymore about him touching either one of us, verbally, emotionally, physically, or financially. Say, I know that one of the things that we are going to discuss later is forgiveness, but were you in a state at this point where you felt, why should I forgive him, or did that even enter your, your thoughts? Oh, it entered my thoughts, and I said, why should I forgive him? He is the one who hurt us. He is the one who should apologize. He's done the wrong. I thought I was in the clear. And you went on your merry way. (laughs) Absolutely, on my merry way. Well, when my son finally did graduate, of course, his father had said, come live with me, I'll get you a car. That was the first time. So my son went. Later, I found out he had told a friend, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I should have stayed with my mother. His friend said, just tell your mother. She loves you. She would take you back. No, I can't hurt her anymore. At the end of that school year, he did call me and say, Mama, pick me up. I need to come home. And he did. He came home. And I thought things were going smoothly. He had one more year to graduate. And then he said, Mama, Dad told me if I go with him, he'll put me in a private school and I'll have small classes. And I know you can't afford a private school. He went one more time. At that point, I think if someone had mentioned forgiveness, I would have had thoughts of murder. There was no way. Were you at this point, were you hating him? Could you go that far to say that? I probably could. And I remember a conversation with a friend one time who had gone through a divorce. And she said, you know, I think about his death and I would go dance on his grave. I said, I think that's a fabulous idea. If my ex-husband and your ex-husband die about the same time, we'll go together and go dance on both graves. So you made light of it. You weren't allowing what had happened to to hurt you anymore. As best I could. There, there were still times when a memory would come up. I saw a movie, and it triggered memories from the past. And I knew exactly what was going to happen every single step of the way in that movie because he was abusive like my ex-husband. Okay. So now we'll fast forward to you've got your life pretty well back together, at least established a new life, right? You've got some devastating news. Can you share that with us? I had told my parents back in August of 2000, I am the happiest I have ever been in my life. I had bought a newer car. I had purchased a small home. I had a beautiful garden, and we were sitting outside, and I said, it just can't get any better. And two weeks before Christmas, I found a lump on my breast, and I knew that I knew that I knew it was breast cancer. And sure enough, it was. And And you were (gasps) devastated? You were shocked? All those emotions? And terrified. I had lost two cousins to breast cancer, and I knew my family would immediately see a death cloud hanging over me. I would be next, and I didn't want to be next. I didn't think that would be justice, and I I wanted justice. I wanted a fair chance at life, and I'm here to say 
15 and a half years later, I've had that chance. I did make it through aggressive chemotherapy and radiation. And you're here to tell us about it. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was so awesome. And I belonged to two breast cancer support groups that were a tremendous source of encouragement and support. So at this point, you definitely are a stronger woman. You've been through not only an abusive marriage, you've watched your son be abused, you were able to get free from that, to get your life together, you find out you have breast cancer, you go through not only the emotional trauma of that, but all the physical trauma, and then something happened again to set you back on what happened. I lost two aunts and my mother within weeks of one another, and this was before Mother's Day. And three days after Mother's Day, I lost my only child. And all I could think of was, it cannot possibly get any worse. This is absolutely the end. I want to die. Can you share anything about about the loss and, and how you handled it and... What happened? It was a difficult time for me because I knew that the loss of my son meant contact with my ex-husband. And I knew that I would have to see him again. And our conversations did not go well. He wanted me to have my... Well, he didn't come right out and say he wanted me to do it. What he said was, you could have your own service in Virginia. You don't need to come out here for the service. Mm. And when I told him I would be there, the, the next thing was, I said I wanted to give a eulogy. And his response was that his, my, our son's girlfriend and boss were giving one. And I said, that is my right as his mother. It's your right as his father. I also wanted to do a professional DVD. I know a videographer who does outstanding work. And I had Brian's pictures from infancy to just before his death. And he said, his girlfriend is doing one. <laughs> I said, good. The more the merrier. So what happened? How did he die? He had surgery, and he was sent home. It was day surgery, like most of them are now. And he was given Vicodin, and a rare side effect of Vicodin is cardiac arrest. And he went into cardiac arrest, and he died alone in his bedroom. Two other roommates were renting this house with him, all three, but they all had their own separate bedrooms. And when his roommate found him the first time, he just thought, well, he's really not a morning person. I can't wake him up. Mm -hmm. And he got ready. He was supposed to take my son to the doctor for a checkup that next morning. So he got ready. He came back, and Brian was dying. So he did call 911 did try to do mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation until they got there, and they did everything that would have been done in an ER. The bottom line, it was too late. He was gone. At what point were you called? I did not know until two days later. I have an unlisted, unpublished phone number. Oh, dear. 
And so I was praying for him as I did every day for two days until I found out. Now you're going through, you've hit bottom. You've absolutely hit bottom. I did. And I had gone to college after the divorce was final, after my son had graduated from high school. And I said, well, now I'm going to be a licensed professional counselor and I'm going to have a totally different life. And I will tell you that I was grateful to have the job because it took my mind off of what had just taken place. Mm-hmm. But I came to the realization that I was not promised tomorrow either. And I wanted to be a full-time speaker and author, and I couldn't wait any longer. So six months later, I did leave my job. It was a huge move for me. I loved my work, but I needed to go on with my dream, and I never looked back. And that dream was? Full-time speaker, full-time author, and then I became a certified world-class speaking coach. So let's talk about that. Um, How did you begin your speaking career? Because I know there are people that that would be of interest to them. I spoke for local things in my area. A lot of different things. And when my first book came out, Finding Hope for Your Journey Through Breast Cancer, I had TV interviews. I had lots of radio interviews. I had book signings. And I needed to speak. So I looked into different training programs and different speaker organizations. And I did join them. And once I left my full-time counseling job, I was free to do other things mm-hmm. like Toastmasters International, the National Speakers Association, and attend meetings on a regular basis, mm-hmm. go to the conferences. And that's how it all started. And mushroomed from there, just kind of... Just- mushroomed from there, yes. Because in one of the... Toastmasters meetings. It was in the National Speakers Association meeting. I noticed that several different speakers who came talked about Toastmasters. And then one of them mentioned Speaker Boot Camps and his partner, Craig Valentine. So I had to go to those boot camps, and it turned out they were in Baltimore, not too far away, Baltimore, Maryland. And after two of them, I was hooked. And I went up for individual coaching. I found out about the world-class speaking course, and I signed up for it. It's an intensive course to train you to become a certified world-class speaking coach. We had weekly homework. We had an accountability partner. We had to do work with our accountability partner on the phone, via Skype, FaceTime, however we could work it out. And then we had a long take-home exam, and it was wonderful. I knew immediately I had found a sweet spot. Now, we we jumped ahead of the gun, I think, a little bit, because one thing that I know that you want to discuss, as you have shared the different traumas in your life, and that is on forgiveness. Forgiveness was not an option for you. 
you didn't realize, didn't think that you had to forgive him. So now you've written a book on that. So there had something had to happen between one and the other. What happened? I realized I was a prisoner of the past, whether I wanted to admit it or not. I was. I was emotionally shackled to my ex-husband. And a friend of mine had said, forgiveness is for you. And I thought, well, how can it be for me? So I started reading books about forgiveness. And I knew that in the process of the separation and divorce, I had lost a lot of weight. I looked like a bag of bones. I didn't eat well. I didn't sleep well. I had problems with digestion. I had headaches. I had lower back pain. And I realized through my reading and my journaling that a lot of these physical and emotional effects on me were consequences of a lack of forgiveness. I had to forgive for me, it really was true. And a friend of mine continually said, anger imprisons you, but forgiveness frees you. Expound a little more on that, because I know we have heard this often, and it's still difficult for people to forgive and forget. Do you think that you have to forget? Do they go hand in hand? Or can you forgive without forgetting what happened? Carol, it makes good sense to forgive, but you better not forget. I'll give you examples of that. I had a friend who said when she was a young girl, she was sexually abused by a neighbor. She could not forget that he sexually abused her because she knew if she went back to his home, played in his yard, she would be sexually abused again. An adult friend of mine went through a divorce. She was married to a man who had been unfaithful time after time after time. She kept forgiving him. And finally, she said, I can't live this way anymore. I can't live without respect without dignity. She divorced him. One year later, he came around. I love you. I'm sorry. I've learned my lesson. I've changed. Please marry me again. She had no proof that he had changed. There was no counseling. There was no journaling. There was no accountability partner. There was no sponsor. Nothing. Just the empty words he had said over and over in the past. She remarried him. Six months later, same situation. She found out he was having an affair with someone else. And so she said, Yvonne, I forgave him, but this time I cannot forget. I would venture to say it's you can't allow that forget not forgetting to turn into bitterness. And that's probably where the fine line is. We forgive for ourselves, for our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Our creativity can even be blocked when there's unforgiveness. And why is that? Do you think it's because it is encompassing our thoughts? Or is it because of our attitude? What do you feel is the reason that it um, is so important? 
it's still there. It's in our thoughts. It's in our attitude. It's in our relationships until we fully let go of it. And I had to say, I am going to read everything I can. I'm going to go through forgiveness. I'm going to mourn the offenses against me and all the losses. I'm going to pour my heart out to the God I know. And? And so I did. And when I did that, I realized I did not need to minimize or deny or rationalize what happened. I had to admit exactly what it was, how it hurt me, how it hurt our son. And I knew that when I did those things, I felt a peace, Mm. a joy, a freedom I hadn't had in years. I think that the key word here is freedom. Yes. That it brings such a release of not allowing that to control your thoughts. And again, it's totally different than forgetting it because you remember. And it also gives you a conscious fear of protection, you know, of how to protect yourself so that it doesn't happen again as you already addressed. But not allowing those negative thoughts, those negative responses, those even thoughts that can turn to evil, like I want to dance on his grave, you know, <laughs> those kind of thoughts. I mean, it you let that go. And in the middle of it, it's not easy. But once yeah. you take that step, like you said, it brings peace and joy and freedom and many other <laughs> emotions uh, along those lines. So is this what you, what you share in your book? What other things do you share in your book about the, this subject? I share that forgiveness doesn't mean you immediately trust the offender. <clears throat> he may not be trustworthy. People need to earn your trust. They need to show themselves as trustworthy. I had left my husband twice in the past before I left him for good. And it was always the same thing. You need to come back. I love you. I miss you. And on and on. A waste of breath because no matter what, when I returned, what that message for him was, I had given him permission to do whatever he wanted. I had given him permission to continue the abuse because I Mm. did take a stand and say, I'll come back, but first, you must go through a batter intervention program. You must go through counseling. You must show me that you've changed. I didn't ask for anything, and so I didn't get the things I hoped to get. Mm, good point. What is your advice in that same situation now with hindsight that you have? Leave and do not return unless you have solid proof that the person has indeed changed. And there would be many tests that would have to take place first. Such as? Well, if the only opinion that counts is his He hasn't changed. Mm, Okay. If women are still belittled or thought less of in general, he hasn't changed. If he easily gets angry, paranoid, I'm the defensive with you over insignificant things, he has not changed. 
don't go back. Now, what do you think is your job in this scenario as the one who has been abused? Get into counseling. You have been traumatized. Okay. And if you don't and you continue to live with an abusive person, you will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Call a local shelter. Get into their support group. Find out what you need to know for help. And if you are going to court, most of them have a legal liaison who will work with you, go to court, and be with you. And please don't make excuses for him. Don't lie for him. Don't minimize what he does. It's wrong. It is not love. Love does not hurt. That's right. When your son died, did you have to forgive the doctors as well? Was that an area that you had to deal with? Yes, I did. I had to forgive the doctors for giving him Vicodin. They said that the surgery he had was a very painful one. But it seems that in the United States, the painkillers are prescribed like water. Uh. And given for almost everything. And too many are in the prescription. And I will not take one. So do you think he took too many because the pain was too intense? or? or I'm sure he did. How uh, awful. And that was how long ago, Yvonne? It has been seven years. And seven is the perfect number. And I do believe that once again, I have so much hope. For the future and I am busy about making that new and better life newer and even more of an improved life so on that note is what would you like to share with the audience I mean we've, we've talked about a lot of things that are quite emotional you were very clear in describing what you went through and I know that many many people women in particular could relate to some of the things that you said. You also made it clear that it's not a place where you want to live, whether it was uh, the abuse or the devastation of losing your son, everything that you went through with the cancer. Um, You have overcome these. You have triumphed over these traumas in your life. So in conclusion, what would you like to say to the audience, even as a call to action for people who are going through any one of these things, or just in general, an attitude change or shift that you can encourage women? Admit what is going on and get support as soon as possible. And it would depend on the situation what type of support it would be. But there are plenty of recovery type groups. There are all kinds of specialists in the area of counseling. And there are certainly websites that offer a lot of help. Carol, your website is one of them. My website is one of them. Plenty of free resources mm-hmm. and books. And audiobooks are available, Kindle books are available. For the person who wants help, it is out there. So let's talk a little bit about your books. Uh, also, uh, you mentioned one or two of them, but what else do you want to share about them and also about your 
your speaking coaching sessions, etc. And I know that you have online sessions coming up as well. So talk about your books and your speaking. First book on cancer we talked about, Finding Hope for Your Journey Through Breast Cancer. The second one is Moving from Broken to Beautiful, Nine Life Lessons to Help You Move Forward. No one needs to be stuck in the past. Each one of us can move forward and can live a beautiful life and then, in turn, help others move from broken to beautiful. Right, right. So that is the second book. And then the third book, Moving from Broken to Beautiful Through Forgiveness. And really, Carol, I could have given that the title, but I don't want to forgive. (laughs) That's good, because a lot of people don't want to forgive. You've made that clear, and that's what you make clear in your book, I'm assuming. I make it very clear that it is for you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And yes, no matter what happens, no matter what trials or crises, or challenges you face, you can move from broken to beautiful. And any any books in the making? Yes, I'm working on book number four, Moving from Broken to Beautiful Through Grief. That book will take the loss of my mother and of my son. And also the loss of your marriage, because that is a grief yeah. too. All loss is, you know, we do go through the grieving process, and I believe that's what you will probably be addressing, correct? Yes, that entire emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. You're speaking coaching. What about online? What do you have available that you have coming up? I am so excited. Well, right now I can do individual coaching online. I have Zoom, and I also have the teleconference call account. And there's always Skype. But I want to do a five-week course online that will include group coaching, individual coaching, and we will work together so that no matter where someone is, that person can join me for that Speak With Power, Passion, and Polish class. And it'll be like an hour a week, or what do you have planned? I plan to have one hour weekly, the five weeks, and then the two individual sessions for each person in the course. Okay. So something to look forward to. Yes. I'm real excited about that. And something for you to look forward to, too. That's right. All right. Well, I think we've covered all the bases, unless you can think of something else that you would like to share. I would just say it's important for you, the listener, to forgive yourself also. And I talk about that in my book. Very important, yes. Because we can blame ourselves so often, can't we? We can be very hard on ourselves and continue to beat ourselves. Why didn't I do such and such? Why did I take so long? You did the best you could. And if God forgives you and you don't forgive yourself, it's like saying, God, you've made a mistake. That's right. (laughs) That's a very good point. Well, thank you, Yvonne. As I mentioned earlier, this has been enlightening, certainly inspiring, and also motivating. And so I thank you for not only sharing from your heart, but also sharing 
what we can do, some practical things we can do. And for those who would like to learn how to be a better or just a speaker in general, you have offered that as well as you have um, accomplished your dream, which is to be a speaker and an author. And so we look forward to also your website for the course, your books, and all that information will be on the show notes for you to of where people can get your books, etc. So I thank you for your time. I thank you for your your clear uh, story and it was very much appreciated and I'm sure you touched the hearts of many. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.